again and again this week to those words of Peter from John 6 that I read right at the beginning. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where do we go when things change, when sort of seismic things happen in our lives? And Peter says, nowhere else but you. You have the words of eternal life. And those words of eternal life are these. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And it is this gospel that holds us in times of grief and sadness. And so I just want to focus on the priority of the gospel this morning. In a few moments, we'll be sharing communion together, and it is the highlight of our worship this morning. Do this in remembrance of me. When I first became a Christian, I actually thought that was odd. Forgive me. Because I'd just been saved and I thought, I will never, I will never forget Jesus. How can we forget Jesus? Do this in remembrance of me. I was a new Christian. I didn't really understand all that he meant. In communion, we're invited to encounter him. He is the risen Lord Jesus. In communion, we give thanks, remembering all that Jesus has done for us. And in the words of the Apostle Paul, we declare his death every time we do this until he comes. And he is coming. This sharing of the cup and the bread, it declares the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. And it keeps us growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. We've been following a short series over the summer months about how do we grow and deepen in our faith in Jesus. And I want to say we do that through the gospel. That we never actually graduate from the gospel. We need to go deeper and further into the gospel. Our dear and beloved Queen Elizabeth was a gospel person. I have watched so many programs this week. And only a few of them have touched on the most important thing in her life. Which was Jesus. She was a faithful follower of Jesus. Always open about her faith. And age 21, six months before her coronation, she asked for prayer. God, may God give me wisdom and strength to carry out the solemn promises I shall be making and that I may faithfully serve him and you all the days of my life. We can give thanks this week for answered prayer and promise fulfilled of a life full of faith and faithfulness. She believed the gospel. 
in 2002. I mentioned earlier about her Christmas messages being probably the most listened to Christian sermons in a year. She said, I know just how much I rely on my faith to guide me through the good times and the bad. Each day is a new beginning. I draw strength from the message of hope in the gospel. Of Jesus, she said, Jesus is her inspiration, role model, anchor. The one who stretched out his hands in love, acceptance, and forgiveness at the cross. In 2011, God sent into the world a unique person, a savior with the power to forgive. And Edward shared with me a story this week of how she would appoint chaplains because she would have a chaplain in wherever place she was staying, there'd be a separate chaplain so that, you know, they're not flying all across the country, but wherever she was staying, there would be a chaplain appointed. And she would always appoint someone who was full of the gospel, who believed the Bible, and who preached Jesus. And she famously invited Billy Graham uh, over to preach. I guess the one man who has perhaps explained the meaning of the Lord's Supper to us was the Apostle Paul. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. We say it so often. Paul was a gospel man. He was saved by the gospel. He lived by the gospel. He lived for the gospel. You can hear it in all his words. I want to just read a few from Romans chapter 1, verse 15 and 17. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. To the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 2, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 and 2. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. And then to the Colossians, Paul writes, If you continue in your faith, established and firm, do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Paul was a gospel man. Our queen was a gospel woman. I want to be a gospel man. I want you to be gospel people. Like the proverbial stick of rock the gospel runs right through the Apostle Paul. Take the gospel out of Paul and what do you have? You have a persecutor and a murderer. Put the gospel in Paul and what do you have? You have a missionary and a martyr. If we let go of the gospel, 
we lose the keys of the kingdom. I'm getting more and more forgetful. That's my age. I do have a habit of losing keys. Not as much as Tim, but that's another story. But as church, we're not going to lose the keys. Church without the gospel is no longer the church. What have we got to offer to a lost and broken world? What have we got to offer to a world that doesn't know? We offer Jesus. We offer the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. And it's interesting in the verses that we read, Paul is writing to Christians. I'm eager to preach the gospel to you in Rome, the believers in Rome. I'm eager to... um, I want you to hold firmly to the gospel. I want you to live out the hope in the gospel. I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. It is sadly common in some parts of the church to think that the message of the gospel just initiates us into the Christian life. And then we move on to other means and strategies of how to grow in Christ. I remember going to a church where they had a gospel service, it was the evening service. And I wanted to say, no, every service is a gospel service. Reserved for evangelism, that's what the gospel is for. No, it's not. Gospel is how we grow in Christ, how we keep growing in Christ. Others have described it as the difference between justification, when God puts us right with himself through the cross, through the gospel. We are made right with God. And then sanctification is that growing out in Christ, the lifelong gradual growth in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That justification is that event, but sanctification is that process. But I want to say that I believe the gospel is not only the gateway to the Christian life, but also the pathway of the Christian life. Not the jump leads to get the Christian life started, but the gospel is the very engine that keeps the Christian life growing. I was reading about an old English pastor, Thomas Adam, this week. He served a single church for over 54 years. And only halfway. Isn't that amazing? 54 years in the same church. And do you know what he said? I preach the gospel every week. See, I would go to a church like that. He coined a phrase, sanctification by justification. I know they're long words, but you know what they mean, don't you? And I agree with him. Sanctification and justification go together. I believe that sanctification is fed and nurtured and grown by a constant returning to an ever-deepening understanding of the justification that God has given us. And we do this every time we share communion together. We're going to do it again today. Justification, put simply, justified never sinned. It's outside in. We lose it if we make it inside out, if we make it about what we do. 
we have been gifted freely a right standing before God because of Jesus, because of all that he has done on the cross, because of his death and resurrection. Nothing of our doing, nothing of our merit. And it's counterculture, isn't it? Because normally a person's guilt or innocence is wholly dependent upon a person's performance. Not so the gospel. The gospel tells us that in Jesus Christ, you, me, we are declared innocent, acquitted because of the work of Jesus. What Luther called a happy exchange. We are given Christ's right standing and his righteousness as he takes our sin upon himself. Christ was treated as guilty, bearing our punishment on the cross, and we are treated as innocent, declared faultless, acquitted, free to leave the courtroom. This verdict can only be received by faith in Jesus Christ. We don't deserve it but we are gifted it. Sometimes that's why people find it so hard to believe. I have spent so many hours trying to persuade people into the kingdom. I've never persuaded anyone into the kingdom. But in that wonderful divine mystery when God reveals what he has done in Christ, something changes in a life. I am praying and praying for all those I'm trying to persuade. <laughs> but I know it's only God's work. Sanctification is inside out and we lose it if we make it outside in. What I mean by that, sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit within us. Growth in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ is not generated by conforming, conforming to external codes, whether that be to the wonderful Ten Commandments or the commandments of Jesus or our own very conscience, these things are good, obviously. They are vital and instructive, but they do not themselves give us the power to live for Jesus. It is the gospel. We know that religion is bankrupt. I love telling people I'm not religious because... So many people assume I am. Religion has nothing to offer. It is man-made. What we need is God. In his grace, he's revealed himself in Jesus. Think of what Jesus called the religious elite of his day. They were so religious. He called them whitewashed tombs. Outwardly perfect, beautiful, but inside full of dead bones. No worries. Is that okay? Somehow, intuitively, we think that the way to grow is to hear exhortation. And of course, that is needed. We do need to be challenged again and again. But the Bible teaches us that true growth in Christ comes when the things of Jesus land on hearts that have accepted and loved him. That's how we grow. Not how successfully we keep outward things. It is the inward, the heart. 
It is the gospel that changes us from the inside out, not externals. The Holy Spirit at work within us. And today we're going to reflect yet again on the wonder of the gospel. And maybe we do this again and again and it loses its wonder. We need to rediscover the wonder of it all. And let the gospel soften our hearts and bring true transformation from the inside out. To grow deeper in the justification that, and the forgiveness that we have received. I read this funny story this week. It appeared in a Nigerian newspaper. An inmate from a Nigerian prison caused a mild farce when a judge acquitted him of all charges. But the inmate refused to be freed and demanded to go back to prison. He had to be carried out by six prison officers and court workers and policemen, thrown out onto the street free. I don't know any more details than that, but I thought, that's really odd. And then I thought, sometimes that's a picture of the church. We fall back into the conformity to rules and regulations and fall into religion. That's why we needed a reformation 500 years ago. We need another reformation now. We are set free by the gospel. We don't need to return to the prison of works anymore. You are accepted. You are loved. And when you receive that, you will grow in Christ. Because he is pleased with you. And he loves you. And even more, he likes you. When we know that, we will grow in Christ. And all we have to do is receive it. To add to it would be to subtract from it. We never graduate from the gospel, so let's go deeper. And I'm grateful for our beloved queen. That she was a gospel woman. And we know that she is in the very presence of Jesus right now. We can't imagine how wonderful and glorious that is. But Jesus is the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings and Queens. He is our Savior. Let's pray together. I'm going to ask the band to come back.